morning, I want to take a few moments and look at the Word of God concerning our role as parents, uh, specifically in regard to raising our children. And so uh, kind of given a little direction headed towards the baby dedication will be in Psalm 127 this morning, Psalm 127. I love this Psalm. I believe it's one of the best Psalms, one of the greatest Psalms uh, that we could read in relation to the home and our responsibility uh, in the home. And so we're going to read this chapter as a means of getting started. Lord willing, uh, throughout the next few weeks, we'll be preaching several messages uh, off of the theme of the home. And so this will kind of launch that series as well. The Bible says in Psalm 127, uh, starting at verse number 1, Except the Lord build the house, they labor in vain that build it. Except the Lord keep the city, the watchman waketh but in vain. It is vain for you to rise up early, to sit up late, to eat the bread of sorrows, for so he giveth his beloved sleep. Lo, children are in heritage of the Lord, and the fruit of the womb is his reward. As arrows are in the hand of a mighty man, so are children of the youth. Happy is the man that hath his quiver full of them. They shall not be ashamed, but they shall speak with the enemies in the gate. Let's go to the Lord in prayer. Father, Lord, I thank you for this day. Lord, I thank you for this opportunity that we have, Lord, to give honor to our mothers. And Lord, I thank you for this privilege that we have, oh Lord, to uh, dedicate some children to you. And Lord, uh, say that we are giving our life to raising these children for you. And now, Lord, as we take a few moments uh, to look into your word, Father, I pray that you will bless this message. Uh, I pray, dear Lord, that you will help this preacher. Uh, I pray, dear Lord, that you will help us to deliver your word. And Father, I pray that what we have to say this morning, that Lord, it will be encouraging. I pray, dear Lord, that it will be challenging. I pray, dear Lord, that it will help us, Father, to recognize the importance of our role, Lord, in raising children for you. I pray, dear Father, Lord, that you will help us in this message, Lord, to recognize that, Lord, our, our duty is to point our children to the cross of Christ. And, Father, I pray that you will bless now as we look at your word. Bless this message. Thank you, Lord, for each one that is here. Thank you, Lord, for each one that participates, Lord, those that uh, sing in the service, those that work in the sound room, uh, those, Lord, that have been involved in preparing uh, things all up through the week, getting things ready, Lord, so that it would go smoothly. Lord, I thank you for your children. I thank you for your family. I thank you, Lord, that I'm able to be part of the family of God. And, Lord, it is good to be in your house. And, Father, I pray that you'll meet with us this morning. Thank you, Lord, for your goodness to us. Bless now your word in Jesus' name. Amen and amen. We jump into this passage of Scripture in verse... Verse number one, except the Lord build the house, they labor in vain that build it. Except the Lord watch the city, the watchman waketh but in vain. I believe this is probably the most important passage or the most important verse in this passage of Scripture because this verse sets the tone for the entire rest of the passage. Psalm 127 and verse 1 lets us 
just know right off the bat that unless the Lord is involved in building and in structuring and in forming our home, then it is a vain labor that we undertake. If we attempt to have a home, if we attempt to raise children, if we attempt to accomplish a goodness and righteousness in this society, unless the Lord build the house, they labor but in vain. You say, what does it mean, Pastor John, when the Bible says, except the Lord build the house? Well, I believe that it clearly means that unless our home is built upon the principles and the foundation of the Word of God, our home will never be what it ought to be. I believe that unless our home is a home that points our children to the cross of Christ, our home will never accomplish what it was meant to accomplish. You know, a lot of times we have families who bring their kids to church and they think that by bringing their kids to church, that the church will take care of their spiritual needs. The church will take care. The church will give them however much God they need. And the church will be the one that meets that need. But unless the Lord is in your home, you are laboring in vain. I can preach my heart out every Sunday. I can study. I can deliver. I can teach. But unless the Lord is the center of your home, you are wasting your time. Too often the Lord is a side thought. Too often the Lord is part of our big agenda. Too often the Lord feels no more space in the operations of our home than the dusty family Bible is an ornament on the coffee table. The Lord's got to be more than an ornament. He has got to be more than something you write on your name when you say we are a Christian family. He must be the center of the home except the Lord build the house. They labor in vain. You say, Pastor John, sometimes I feel like I work and work and work and work and I feel like I'm accomplishing nothing. Let me ask you a question. Are you making the Lord the center of your home? Are you daily exalting the cross of Christ in your home? Are you daily proclaiming to your children the amazing grace that can set a sinner free? Are you daily letting your children know that there is hope in Jesus Christ? Is He the center of your home? I know that we've got to have systems. I know that we've got to have bedtime. I know we've got to eat three meals a day. I know that all that has to happen in order for home to work but you are wasting your time unless you are daily making the Lord the center of your home. Except the Lord build the house, they labor in vain. Have you ever started out on a project? I know whenever I was in construction, I've had similar things happen. You start out on a project, and you're working on the project. I remember one in the instance in particular. My, the guy that was running the crew was going to be out of town. He called me and he said, I have to be out of town. I'm not going to be able to be there tomorrow. We're supposed to be setting trusses. Can you handle it? I'm like, yeah, I got it. No problem. But what he didn't tell me was that there was brick on the front of the house and vinyl siding on the back of the house. 
And so I set the trusses, Brother Dave, but I didn't allow for the brick. He showed up the next day and he climbed up on the roof and he pulled his tape measure out and he said, you didn't allow for the brick. I'm like, what brick? And you know what we had to do? We had to pull every one of those trusses and reset them. You know what essentially happened? My labor was in vain. Everything that I had did the day before was wasted labor. I felt like I was doing a good thing. I felt like I was accomplishing something. I felt like I was making a difference. It was actually the first time I'd ever set trusses on my own, first time I'd ever done it by myself. And I thought, man, I am really accomplishing something. I am, I'm going to get a promotion. I'm going to get a raise. I'm going, they're going to think I am somebody. But the next day I found out that my labor had been in vain. Why? Because I didn't know all the details. You know what? Whenever it comes to homes, a lot of times we start out and we think we're doing a good job. But the truth of the matter is we've never done it before. We don't have any idea what we're doing. And although we think we're doing good, it's going to come judgment day and God is going to say, the reason you lost your home, the reason you lost your children, the reason that it's all falling apart is because unless the Lord built the house, they labor in vain. He goes on and says, except the Lord watch the city. The watchman waketh, but in vain. We all like to think that if an intruder were to come into our home, that we've got everything in place, we'd be able to protect our home. We've got our, whatever your means of security is, mine's a 12-gauge pump shotgun. <laughs> and a 380 and a 9mm. But whatever your means of protection is, you've got it in place. And you're pretty confident that if an intruder breaks in, you're going to be able to defend your home. And you very well might. But you know what? Many times the real enemy doesn't break through the front door. Many times the real enemy doesn't climb through your bedroom window. Many times the real enemy isn't one that you can stop with a 12-gauge shotgun. Many times the real enemy is sneaking in through the TV cable and through the Internet cable. He's sneaking into your home in areas that you are not watching and you are not guarding and you are not looking into. And unless the Lord watch the city, the watchman waketh but in vain. There's many men who has woken up and many mother who has woken up whenever their children are grown and gone and they have realized that the Lord wasn't watching the city. You say, well, how do I let the Lord watch the city? Do I just pray before I go to bed each night? Well, that's a good practice. But how you watch the, let the Lord watch the city is you take this book. And this book says, thou shalt not. And you say, if God said it, we will not. This book says this is dangerous for your family. 
The Bible says this will divide your marriage. The Bible says this will destroy your children. And you look at the Word of God, and if you say, God says it, then that is what I will do. And you surround your house with the protection of the Word of God. You allow the Word of God to set the boundaries. You allow the Word of God to define the perimeter. You let the Word of God determine what you will do and what you won't do. You let the Word of God determine what your children will partake in and what they won't partake in. If the Bible says it's important, then you say it's important. If the Bible says you should stay away from it, then you stay away from it. And I want to say that whenever you do that, the Lord is watching the city and you can rest at ease. If the Lord watch the city, lest the Lord build the house. I want to say that this verse sets the tone for the entire passage of Scripture. We must allow the Word of God to have authority in our homes. Too often we say, well, that's what the preacher believes. Too often we say, well, well, that's, that's for those people that are in the ministry. No, this book applies to you. And you know what? The world may not like it. The world may not agree with the way you're living your life. The world may say that you're hurting your children or that you're over-sheltering your children and all these things. You know what you need to do? Ignore the world and obey the Word of God. Because unless the Lord watch the city, the watchman waketh but in vain. I want us to see this morning just a few things very quickly about children and raising children. In verse number 3, we see the blessing of having children. The Bible says in verse number 3, Lo, children are an heritage of the Lord, and the fruit of the womb is His Reward. The first thing that we see in this passage here is the blessing of having children. Do you know that children are a gift from God? Do you know that whenever the Lord allowed you and your spouse to have a child and that child was born and you held them in your arms for the first time, this doesn't mark any merit of yours. This doesn't merit mark any uh, super, super, that you're better than anybody else. It doesn't mark anything that shows that you are superior to other people. No, this shows that you have been given a gift from God. When you hold that little child in your arms, it ought to humble you. It ought to scare you. You ought to become burdened with a load of responsibility that God would entrust you with the life of one of His creations. Children are a gift from the Lord. And when He gives them to you, you ought to be humbled in recognizing that God has entrusted you with the life of a child. Not only are they a gift from God, but children are not to be taken for granted. You know what? It's, it's very easy after you've had those children for a while and their cuteness has worn off to view them as more of a burden than a blessing. And if I don't run out of time, we'll talk more about this in a minute. But you tend to view them as more of a burden than a blessing. 
And whenever you begin to view them as a burden instead of a blessing, you begin to slack up on your investment into them. They're not to be taken for granted. And they're not going to turn out right unless you stay invested. They're a gift from the Lord. They're not to be taken for granted. And they bring with them an enormous, an enormous responsibility. I was talking with another dad just the other day about the feeling, the overwhelming feeling that I felt when John Jr. was born. I can't explain it. I didn't trigger it. But there was something came over me. I changed. I became a different person that day. There is an enormous responsibility that comes with children. And so we want to look in verse number 4 at this responsibility, the responsibility of raising children as arrows are in the hand of a mighty man. So are children of the youth. You know, arrows are valuable to the warrior. I know now in our day we don't use archery like it was once used, but in this day archery was a main weapon and arrows were very valuable to the archer. Matter of fact, a bow with no arrows is a worthless piece of equipment that needs to be left behind because the weight will simply slow you down. Arrows are valuable to the warrior, but not. But arrows are only valuable to the warrior if they are good arrows. Not just any arrow is valuable to the warrior. Whenever an an warrior has arrows, they extend his uh, range. They expand his effectiveness. But arrows are fragile. And arrows must be given special attention and care. Or else their effectiveness will be marred. When the Lord said, as arrows are the hand of a mighty man, He was letting us know that we have a responsibility to our children. They can expand our reach. They can help us to be more effective. But they have got to be carefully cared for. They've got to be watched over or else their effectiveness will be marred. Whenever I think about arrows, I realize that children... Like arrows can be a tremendous blessing to their parents, but without the proper care from the parent, these children can quickly and easily be rendered ineffective. Whenever I think about arrows, arrows can be too soft or they can be too hard. I've not fooled with it for a while. I tend to go from hobby to hobby, but there for a while I was kind of enjoying making primitive archery and Making them out of uh, uh, making bows out of oak boards and out of saplings, and and then I was making my own arrows. And whenever you do that, I would have a thing that I called a spine tester. I would extend the arrow, a dowel rod or a, a branch, if I was using that. I would extend it over two points. There'd be two nails, and I'd extend the arrow. Then I'd hang a weight in the center of the dowel, and the the weight would flex the dowel. And according to the weight of the bow, I had a little chart that told me how much the arrow should flex. If it flexed too much, then the arrow was too soft. And when I released it from the bow, it would shatter. 
If the arrow was too hard, when I released it from the bow, it wouldn't flex at all and it would fly erratically. The arrow could either be too soft or too hard. It had to be just right for it to leave the bow effectively. If I had an arrow that was too soft, many times I would have to use it with a lighter weight bow. If I had one that was too hard, I could take sandpaper and I could sand that arrow and test it again and sand that arrow and test it again until that arrow was exactly the right, right weight so it would fly correctly from the bow. You say, what in the world does it have to do with children? Well, you know, when it comes to raising children, there are some people who raise them too soft. There are some who do not help develop their children into being mature adults. They don't develop their children into knowing how to handle themselves and conduct themselves. They don't work with their children. Instead, they just make them too soft. And whenever they launch them from the bow into adulthood, they shatter because they were raised too soft. Others raise their children way too hard. They never show them any love. They never show them any affection. They put them through a life of hardship and toil. They put them through a life that no child should ever have to go through. And whenever they release that child from the bow, it doesn't shatter. It does go somewhere. It does hit hard, but it doesn't go where you sent it. They were raised way too hard. Arrows can be too soft or too hard. Arrows can be bent if you're using aluminum arrows, or they can be splintered if you're using wood or carbon arrows. And again, they become ineffective. Most of the time, whenever hunters are carrying their arrows, and back in the day, warriors were carrying their arrows, they would put their arrows in a special case that protected them from elements that could destroy them. But before you can fire an arrow from a bow with effectiveness, that arrow must be tuned and tested before you release it at the mark. You've got to make sure that this arrow is ready to go. I don't understand parents who when their child turns 13, they say, well, now it's up to you if you want to go to church or not. Really? Do you tell them it's up to them whether they brush their teeth or not? Do you tell them it's up to them whether they make their bed or not? Do you tell them it's up to them whether they go to school or not? No, you don't. But you say, well, you're 13. You're old enough to make your own choices. You know what the last thing I will let them make their own choice about is whether or not they're going to church because it is the only thing that's going to make a long-lasting impression on their life. And as long as I can force them to get into the house of God, I'm going to force them to get into the house of God. And if they become adults and they quit coming to the house of God, I'm going to stay after them and stay after them and stay after them that they need to get back in the house of God. You say, well, Pastor John, you'll make them angry at you. Well, I would rather them be angry at me and go to hell knowing Dad cared about them than for them to love me and go to hell wondering why I never told them. Number one thing that we should never turn loose of on our children is whether or not they are ready to face God. So we see that there's a responsibility in raising children. But then I also want to draw our attention to the fact that there is a reward of faithful children. There is a reward of faithful children. Happy, happy is the man that hath his quiver full of them. Now let's just focus for a moment on the word happy. 
You know what? There is nothing that will make a parent more full of joy than well-behaved children. You know what? It used to be the greatest compliment I could ever get whenever I'd take my three boys somewhere when they were this big. I remember going through Lowe's one time and I was just going. I had a list. I was going, had the cart. I wasn't even looking behind me. And somebody stopped me and said, sir. I said, yes, sir. I said, are them your three boys? I said, yes, sir. They're my boys. He said, they following you like soldiers. I said, they better. Amen. <laughs> they better follow me like soldiers. He's like, we just don't see that anymore. I'm like, well, the, I mean, you know what they say? They say that training children is tiring, and it is. But not training children is exhausting. It's tiring to teach them boys to march like soldiers, but you know what? We teach them to march like soldiers. I went to a father and son fishing trip one time, and I told the boys, I said, yeah, you have to know how to go to potty before I'll take you on an overnight camping trip. But if you know how to go potty, we'll go camping. I had three boys. They was like, uh, let's see here, they'd have been six, four, and two. And we went fishing. I had a john boat. I put all three of them in the john boat, and we went and floated the river. We caught all kinds of fish. Somebody came to me and said, I don't know how you do it. I said, do what? They said, how do you take them three wee little boys on a john boat and float the river all by yourself? I'd have had to have six more adults just to keep control of my three. You know what I say again? Happy. Happy is the man that hath his quiver full of them. Are my kids perfect? Absolutely not. Has there been times that, that I just thought I was going to pull my hair completely out? Absolutely, I still do. But you know what? It is a reward whenever you see your children obeying. But although it's a reward when you see them obeying, it is even more reward when you see your children giving their life to the Lord Jesus Christ. When you see your children just saying, you know what, I don't care what the world offers. I don't care what careers are out there. I don't care what the nicest automobiles are. All I want is to give my life to the Lord Jesus Christ. There is nothing that could put more joy in my heart than to see children that have responded to me pointing them to the cross. Happy. There is a reward of faithful children. Now, just because we have to, we've got to look at the rest of this verse. Happy is the man that hath his quiver full of them. Now, this verse has been misused terribly in a lot of ways, mainly by people indicating that unless you have 41 children, you've not obeyed this verse. So we just want to take a moment and deal with this. I want to point out that not every stick is an arrow that will bring joy. He says, happy is the man that hath his quiver full of them. We're talking about arrows that bring joy. Okay? We're talking about effective arrows. Happy is the man that hath his quiver full of them. Not every stick is an arrow that brings joy. It's a quiver bursting at the seams with broken, bent, misshapen arrows does not fill the archer with joy but a carefully selected quiver full of a few finely tuned arrows fills the archer with joy. I brought a couple of things with me just to illustrate this. Here I have a, a bow and a quiver full of arrows. Now you can't argue that's a quiver full. You might get one or two more in there. That is a quiver full of arrows, and i got a bow to launch these arrows with. 
But whenever you begin to look at these arrows, this one here, the knock is duct taped on it. This one here, the fletching's coming off. This one here is missing a fletching. This one here is some kind of homemade thing. I ain't sure what I was thinking when I did that. Every one of these arrows in here has one or multiple problems. It's a quiver full. But if you would invite me to go hunting with you, Brother Wayne, I wouldn't be real confident in the tree stand with this quiver full of arrows. I've got lots of shots. I can throw lots of arrows. And I might get lucky. But chances are with this quiver, I'm not going to be happy when I go home. Happy as the man that had this quiver full, but I'm not going home happy. Why? Because of the quality of my arrows. Now I have another quiver to show you here. Now here is another quiver full. That's all it'll hold. It's four arrows. Now these arrows aren't perfect. They've been shot a little. They don't even look the same. But every one of these arrows are matched to this bow. Every one of these arrows have been tested. Every one of these arrows have been tuned. And if you invite me to go hunting with you, I would release any one of these four arrows with confidence because I know they will hit the mark. Now both of these are quivers full. But some folks misinterpret this verse. They think a quiver full is just as many kids as I can have. And they have all these children that don't know anything about God and go live worldly, ungodly lives and don't go after the Savior. You know what? You have got one part of the verse, but you missed the other part. The previous part of the verse says that you need to have arrows that are effective. There is a responsibility that comes with raising children. And you are far better off to have a few children that are finely tuned, that have their eyes on the Lord Jesus. Jesus Christ that are shooting for him than to have a quiver full of arrows that know nothing about God. But even worse than having a big quiver full of arrows that know nothing about God is having a small quiver that knows nothing about God. Happy is the man that hath his quiver full of what? Children who are in pursuit of God. Fourth, I want to point out the regret of wayward children. He says, they shall not be ashamed. Now, I know that this is being spoken in a positive manner in the fact that if you have good children, you'll not be ashamed. We can't miss the negative implication here that there's a flip side of this coin. And children that are not in pursuit of God bring regret. A parent that has children that are disobedient and children that disrespect their parents and children that neglect to prioritize the things of God bring regret. Proverbs 29, 15 says, The rod and the reproof give wisdom, but a child left to himself bringeth his mother to shame. Proverbs 10, 1 says, A wise son maketh a glad father, but a foolish son is the heaviness of his mother. Proverbs 10.5 says, He that gathereth in summer is a wise son, but he that sleepeth in harvest is a son that causeth shame. Proverbs 17.21, He that begetteth a fool doth it to his sorrow, and the father of a fool hath no joy. 
Proverbs 17, 25, A foolish son is a grief to his father and bitterness to her that bear him. There is a regret that comes from wayward children. And that brings us to the last point. That is the reason for dedicating our children. Here in just a few moments, I'm nearly done. Here in just a few moments, we're going to dedicate some children. Don't look at your watch. You don't have church tonight, okay? I can go a little longer when you don't have an evening service. Here in just a few minutes, we're going to dedicate some children to the Lord. But I want to talk to you just for a moment about why we dedicate our children to the Lord. Why do, why do we dedicate them to the Lord? Because except the Lord build the house, they labor in vain that build it. What do we mean whenever we say that we're going to dedicate our children to the Lord? Well, what we mean is that I am promising God that I will do everything in my ability to ensure that this child is exposed to the truth of the gospel. I will do everything in my power to make sure that this children, this child understands the importance of believing in the Lord Jesus Christ. I will do everything in my power to make sure that this child understands the relevance of the Word of God and the importance of the Word of God being the foundation for their life. I am promising that this child will know the church house better than Walmart. That this child will know the things of God better than they know the things of the world. I am promising that I will raise this child to serve God. Now I understand that God gave every man a free will spirit. And I understand and I fully believe that there have been parents who have raised children correctly and those children rebelled against the love and the mercy and the grace of God. And I believe that those children will stand before God and they will give account not only of the wicked deeds they have done, but also for rejecting the training of their parents. But I also know, they say you can lead a horse to water, but you can't make him drink. But you know what most of them do. A lot of times we use that excuse, you know, you can lead him to water but you can't make him drink and we throw it out there as if most horses don't drink. But if they are thirsty and you take them to the water, most of them drink. If you take care of making sure that they want to drink when the water is exposed, they do drink. Why do we dedicate our children? This is not some kind of miraculous thing that we do wherein we are saying that this child now has eternity secure. No, eternity is not secure. By doing this, it's not as if we're doing some kind of infant baptism and now they don't have to worry about it. It's not as if that we have taken care of anything as far as the child's soul is concerned. What we have done is we have said as a parent... I promise God that over my dead body will this child go to hell. I'll give up anything I have to give up. I'll do without anything I have to do without. I will put aside anything I have to put aside. I will change my lifestyle. I will change my habits. I will change my priorities. I'll do whatever I have to do to make sure this child knows Jesus. That is why we dedicate children to the Lord. A lot of times dedicating children to the Lord is just some sort of formality where we feel good about ourselves because the preacher prayed over our kid, you know what, I'll pray the best prayer I can pray, but it ain't going to do much for your kid. You've got to promise God. Why do we dedicate our children? Because the Bible said, y'all won't remember nothing else about this message, but you'll remember this. The Bible said,
except the Lord build the house. They labor in vain that build it. Doesn't matter how well the world's thought it out. Doesn't matter how good the philosophy sounds. Unless the Lord build the house, they labor in vain that build it. If we're going to be successful parents, we must realize that without the Lord at the helm of all our efforts, everything we do is in vain. Without Jesus as the center of our home, everything we do is wasted. Unless the Lord establishes the guidelines, the boundaries, the perimeters, we and our children become easy prey, who the Bible said is as a roaring lion, walking about, seeking whom he may devour. We need to be people who understand the importance of pointing our children to the cross of Jesus Christ.